0: Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. Some have newsrooms. We have newsbusting rooms. It's the Newsbusters podcast. Our man Kevin Tober was busy giving us the Sunday morning fights yesterday. Tom Jones at the Pointer Institute. It's not the singer Tom Jones. the women threw their underwear at. No, this is the Tom Jones who throws flowers, if not underwear, at Brian Stelter. Brian was an all-star, don't you know? When you love reliable sources, well, obviously then he's going to like Chuck Todd and Margaret Brennan. Um, He was very pleased yesterday. Of, Of course, Margaret Brennan got in a fight with Kevin McCarthy. Chuck Todd got in a fight with Jim Jordan. And Tom Jones wrote, it's not an easy job they deal with uncooperative guests and often get nitpicked and slammed by media observers like, well, yours truly. That's fake. He doesn't. Qu- Tom Jones is not going to get in Chuck Todd's face. And he continues. But the moderators of the Sunday morning news shows still are valuable when they are prepared and re- ready to challenge, like we saw in particular with two of this past Sunday's shows. You know, Notice, Tom Jones isn't going to be like, I really like the way Chuck Todd fought with the Democrat. One, it never happens. And two, he wouldn't like it if it did. Yeah, on CBS, Brennan was fighting with Kevin McCarthy. Now, notice, if you look at the transcript for this show, she had Democrat Val Demings on, who, you know, who's a congresswoman, just lost to Marco Rubio. Uh, but she was a police chief before that, so then it was they were discussing Memphis. Well, it was she wasn't going to fight with her on positively anything. They were both puzzling over the issue of how Memphis, with a black police commissioner and five black cops, somehow are all a pile of white racists. You know, they had to figure out how do we do police reform in a city that that has this many black policemen. Um, but that's very civil because it's two Democrats talking. Uh, she, uh, Margaret also had an interview with Marco Rubio and Mark Warner uh, about what they're doing at the Senate Intelligence Committee. That was fairly straightforward. She was really only fighting with Kevin McCarthy, and part of that was Kevin McCarthy came um, and he was ready to fight back. Now, Tom Jones liked that Margaret pestered McCarthy about Marjorie Taylor Greene getting assigned to a committee investigating the origins of COVID. Now, first of all, understand that the news media don't want an investigation of the origins of COVID. They don't want to do one themselves, and they certainly don't want the House doing an investigation. So, of course, she's going to try to line up everything that MTG said. Brennan, she compared mask requirements to the type of abuse Jews were subjected to during the Holocaust. She called for Fauci to be arrested and imprisoned, and she spread conspiracy theories. How is anyone supposed to take that work seriously and find that work credible? Now, the the, the funny thing here is Margaret Brennan's not going to run around and talk about crazy Democrats, that Hank Johnson thinks that you can turn Guam upside down. She's not going to ask Hakeem Jeffries questions about the kooks on the Democrat side because Democrats are reporters and reporters are Democrats. But once again, conservatives who get oh so tired of these arrogant rhetorical beatings from so-called news people had to enjoy Speaker McCarthy fighting right back before we run our glorious clip of combat Let's just underline here that Brennan's going to call a vote to object to certifying a result in two states in 2020 to be, quote, unquote, denying reality. Now, if I were a member of Congress, I probably wouldn't have voted not to certify a couple of states, in part because it would have made me feel like Maxine Waters. Uh, But uh, it can be seen as questioning the fairness of an election, Not in quote-unquote denying reality. Denying reality, yet maybe Donald Trump's denying reality. But she's, as usual, trying to associate the broad mass of Republicans with Donald Trump. That's just what they do. But as McCarthy would point out, Democrats have done plenty of election denying. The big difference, as the journalistic Democrats will quickly throw at you, is that Trump is still denying he lost. Unlike Al Gore, who gave up after about a month, 35 days. Unlike John Kerry, sort of unlike Hillary Clinton, who still whines that she lost. It was unfairly. So in other words, when Democrats objected to elections or certifications, well, that was just a stunt. It wasn't deeply meaningful. It was insincere. It was deeply meaningful when you did it for Trump because Trump was did not still denying that he lost. But the not at all mainstream media make these little lists of how many Republicans voted against certifying or even how many Republicans protested Oh, how the media rigged the 2020 election by suppressing stories from laptops that turned out to be true. Then they suggest the majority of Republicans are dangerous to democracy. You could argue that this line was pretty successful for Democrats in the midterms, which might explain why CBS is still thumping this tub. So take a listen here to Brennan versus McCarthy and enjoy the pushback.
1: I want to ask you about some of the makeup uh, of your caucus. According to CBS records, 70% of the House GOP members denied the results of the 2020 election. You put many of them on very key committees intelligence, homeland security, oversight. Why are you elevating? people who are denying reality like that?
2: Well, if you look to the Democrats, their ranking men or member, Raskin, had the same thing, denied Trump or Bush was in there. Benny Thompson, Did you who see the those ra- numbers did did you that you we just the...
1: put up there? Yeah.
2: 70%. Did you also be fair and equal where you looked at Raskin did the same thing? Mm-hmm. Benny Thompson, who's a ranking member and was the chair? These individuals were chair of the Democratic I'm Party. I'm asking
1: you, as leader but of I'm Kevin McCarthy's house, I'm also, why you made these choices. These were your choices.
2: Yeah, they're my choices, but they're the conference choices. But I'm also asking you, when you look to see just Republicans, Democrats have done the same thing. So maybe it's not denying. Maybe it's the only opportunity they have to have a question about what went on during the election. So if you want to hold Republicans to that equation, why don't you also hold Democrats? Why don't you hold Jamie Raskin? Why don't you hold Benny Thompson? When Democrats had appointed them to be chair. Mm -hmm. I never once heard you ask Nancy Pelosi or any Democrat that question when they were in Power in the majority when they question you're talking
1: about things going back to 2000, which was a time well, you're talking about I didn't the, have this show back then, which yeah. is why I'm asking you no, now. No, no, but they were they were, in,
2: they were in power last Congress.
1: So why why are you talking about questions why, from 2000? But, but, but you're asking
2: me about questions that about happened these to another Congress. You just Congress. made. You're, you're just actually made. about questions for another Congress. So the only thing I'm this simply talking Congress. these these are members who just got elected by their constituents, and we put them into committees, and I'm proud to do it.
0: The lamest part of this fight is Brennan has been host of Face the Nation for five years now, and she's like, you can't hold me responsible for 2000 or 2004 and apparently for 2016. The idea is she hasn't had time to question the election denial of a Jamie Raskin is lame. Kevin McCarthy knows that. She has Jamie Raskin on the show, and kisses his rings. She had Jamie Raskin on her show on Christmas morning, and that interview was a gift. It was like a stocking full of candy canes. This was her first question to Raskin on Christmas about the January 6th committee. This is an incredible body of work, all coming to this conclusion now. What do you think Americans at home need to know? Now, does that sound to you like the kind of question Kevin McCarthy's ever going to get. And yet, Democrats were still unhappy with that interview because Brennan mildly suggested that a referral, a criminal referral of Trump to the Justice Department was, gee, it it looked partisan, don't you think? And Democrats were very upset at that because reporters are Democrats and Democrats are reporters and you're supposed to be good Democrats. You never ask Democrats if something looks partisan. What looks partisan here is just all the denial of election denial. Let's review the idea that Margaret Brennan has, that you should never let an election denier run a committee or have prominent positions in the House. In 2001, Representative Maxine Waters of California characterized Florida's electoral votes as quote-unquote fraudulent. Maxine Waters just had six years as head of the House Financial Services Committee. In 2005, Representative Stephanie Tubbs-Jones, along with 30 other House members, and Senator Barbara Boxer of California, objected to the electoral votes of Ohio. Bush won Ohio by more than 118,000 votes. Barbara Boxer then became chair of the Senate Environment Committee and the Senate Ethics Committee. Nobody at Face the Nation was going to question these selections. Yes, in 2005, there was Maxine Waters again, dedicating her objections to Michael Moore, whose 2004 mockumentary Fahrenheit 9-11 was supposed to cause Bush to lose. Representative Gerald Nadler of New York said the right to vote was stolen in the 2004 election. Mr. Nadler just spent four years as head of the House Judiciary Committee. In January 2017, after Donald Trump's narrow victory, Democrats in Congress once again challenged the outcome. Congressman Jim McGovern of Massachusetts cited, quote, the confirmed and illegal activities engaged by the government of Russia. McGovern spent the last four years running the House Rules Committee, which, you know, if you're an insider, that's one of the most important committees in the House. Barbara Lee of California argued that Michigan's electoral votes should be thrown out because, quote, people are horrified by the overwhelming evidence of Russian interference in our elections. She also cited, quote, the malfunction of 87 voting machines, unquote. Barbara Lee was co-chair of the House Democratic Steering Committee. Now, what's that? Oh, well, let's explain. Their primary purpose is to assign fellow party members to other House committees. It's the committee on committees. And they put this election denier in charge. Oh, and Kevin McCarthy could have started with the House Democrats election denier in chief, Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. Margaret Brennan put Jeffries on her show last May. Now, how many questions did Jeffries get about election denial? Hmm. Yeah, none. And if it's Sunday and there's a real Republican on Meet the Press, Chuck Todd is yelling and sputtering. Jim Jordan appeared on the show. This, to me, feels like a miracle. Chuck Todd did so many regular interviews with the Pelosi-picked panel on the January 6th committee, but not with Jordan, who wasn't allowed to be a member. He was selected for the committee by Kevin McCarthy and then unselected by Nancy Pelosi. We focused on how these two got into a debate on the Justice Department flagging disagreeable parents for federal investigation. Chuck, of course, is going to take the Merrick Garland position that you never do anything wrong when you start taking protesting parents and treating them like Antifa rioters, and then Antifa rioters get treated like somebody's parents. I mean... You know, we, Jordan didn't get into the entire thing, which is where somehow the education secretary got this whole ball rolling about there was There was just dangerous, dangerous uh, dissenters going on in, in school boards. You know, it's like the Tea Party all over again. They got very upset that there was dissent showing up at school boards, and somehow this was domestic terrorism on the march. Uh, and, of course, Chuck Todd starts talking about death threats. Now, you know... My head hurts when people start talking about death threats. And I'm not saying that they don't happen. But they're absolutely exploited. And they're going to use those. And, I, you know, that's where I'm sort of like, how hard would it be to make them up? Oh, look at this email I got. You know, and a lot of times they don't deeply investigate the death threats. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying they're not real. It's just that they're so exploited Chuck Todd is using them here to suggest the FBI was within its proper bounds to treat parents like domestic terrorists. Let's listen.
1: Unpack a little bit. You you talk about the FBI abusing uh, powers when it comes to parents and the school board. School board members were getting death threats. These weren't idle things. These weren't parents just yelling and screaming. These were actual death threats to elected officials. And the FBI got a tip. How do they not, should they not look into a death threat when an elected official gets a death threat?
3: School board writes a letter on uh, September 29th, five days later, the attorney general of the United States issues a memorandum to 101 U.S. attorney's office around the country saying set up this this line that they can report on. 16 days later, Chuck, the Mm -hmm. FBI sends out an email to Agents all across the country say, "Put this designation on parents. Report on the snitch line that the, the attorney general set up." So all that happens. Think about it, September 29th, October 4th, October mm-hmm. 20th of 20. That all happens in 22 days. When have you ever you, seen the federal you know government move said? that fast? Okay. 25 parents. There were actual death threats. Understand? No Literally. But understand, this is, Chuck. But let me just finish this. this 25 <laughs> parents get reported on that snitch line. They all get investigated. FBI shows up at their door. Guess how many have been charged? How many have been charged? Yeah. Zero. Then the FBI did a show.
1: Up. Did the no, FBI not do its job? You don't think If, if okay, they were so trumping something what, up, wouldn't they be arresting something? One of the people I mean, charge you? You're, you're trying to, create a, uh, you're trying to no. create a controversy out of the FBI following up on tip. I mean, literally. One the, one the, here's one among people, this is a Loudoun County, Virginia school board member. If she doesn't quit or resign before the end of the year, we will kill her. But first, we will kill you. These were among the comments in Dublin, no, no, Ohio, he, school board member. You have become ch- our enemies. You will be removed one way or the other. Shouldn't the FBI investigate these one things?
3: Of the, one, of the, one of the people they went to investigate was a mom, and they said, because she's in the group Moms for Liberty and because they have firearms at her house, they go investigate her. You get investigated investigate in America for that, they, they show up at your house? Now, you don't think that has a chilling impact on, on, on other parents? So there's a school board meeting tonight. Mr. Jones is thinking about going and talking at the school board meeting, and then he says, you know what, maybe I won't go, maybe I won't speak up, because I know Mrs. Smith had a visit from the FBI last week. The chilling impact on First Amendment free speech is is what we care about. This committee is about protecting the Constitution, in particular, the First Amendment.
0: Now, we could say that uh, just because somebody didn't get charged with a crime doesn't mean that there wasn't a serious matter. You know, once again, a lot of times prosecutors uh, or FBI agents uh, investigate something serious and they can't prosecute, they can't make the crime stick or people decide not to prosecute it because they're not confident a jury will uh, convict. However, you know, again, what's being overlooked here by partisan Chuck is a partisan FBI and a partisan Justice Department. You know, the Justice Department under a uh, a Bill Barr under a Jeff Sessions was treated as a remarkably partisan instrument. And when the attorney general's Eric Holder or Merrick Garland, then they all flip. Yes, this is how we know. Democrats are reporters and reporters are Democrats. And so they're going to say when the Democrats are in charge of, you know, justice, then justice is automatically done and they come out, you know, barking like junkyard dogs against any idea that we have weaponized the Justice Department against conservatives. Chuck Todd just isn't gonna take that. Now, Tom Jones, the Stelter super fan over at Pointer, focused on Todd fighting with Jordan about the classified document scandal and how you know Todd underlined the fact that Trump fought the National Archives when they asked for documents. Jordan said they raided Trump's home. They haven't raided Biden's home. And Todd snapped. That's because B- Biden didn't defy a subpoena. Trump defied a subpoena. Well, does anybody believe this Justice Department or this National Archives is going to subpoena the President of the United States when they're a Democrat? I mean, this is uh, what's interesting about the way the classified documents scandal or scandals are going is now we're headed into this phase of everybody does it. You know, they find him with Biden. Mike Pence finds some in his house and suddenly what yeah the average voter is going to conclude is this is common. You know, Barack Obama doesn't want anybody nosing around in his stuff. And the fact checkers all got upset when you even suggested that Barack Obama, you know, putting his presidential documents in a mall for for safekeeping for a few months Uh, You know, you couldn't question the security of those documents and whether those documents were less secure than the documents were at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, never question Barack Obama because the independent fact-checkers will come after you. So this is why you come to see what's going on on a Sunday. We're working on Sunday. Most people are not. Some of us were watching football, but some of us were not. That's why you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for checking in.